everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I put a little mustard on it. Put a little mustard on it, and no name. You didn't even you didn't even refer to me by name. How, how are they supposed to know who you're? Oh my talking God, you're about? right. You're right. We gotta we gotta start over. <laughs> Leave this all in, but start over. Give me give it to me. Uh, again. Let's try it again. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dave. <laughs> There we go. Now we got it right. Finally. So, uh, so here we go. This is our first uh, all draft podcast. It's basically uh, we're trying something new. Uh, it worked so well last week, don't you think? Oh, uh, tremendous! I mean, the response tremendous was success. Incredible. The response was incredible. Uh, also, you should say it's the first all draft podcast since the last time we split up the podcast proper from the draft, we, which we have done in the past. We have. See, that's the thing. Yeah, we have. I, yeah, I, we did that for we did that for like six uh, six months at some point in the early nineteen eighties. On that, <laughs> I, just, I didn't realize we used to do that, but that's good. I'm glad that we that we've done it here. It's uh, it's uh, it's just a great idea. Really. It's a great innovation, <laughs> and I think it's really going to take the podcast to the next a level. A whole new level. Yeah, a whole new yeah. level of the podcast. So, all right. So before we go to our draft, we will, every week, we are trying to do our new segment, uh, Five Questions. Five Questions. Uh, so mm-hmm. here we go. And these are questions that we got from you on Twitter. If you want to send us questions, please do. Uh We'll see him or we won't. I mean, that's all I can tell you, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's all there. All right, here we go. We got some good questions this week. Here we go. Harpy's Bizarre. Harpy's Bizarre has a question for us. Okay. Here we go. Among MLB, NBA, and NFL. So they're leaving out hockey. Among MLB, NBA, and NFL, in which sport does the head coach manager matter most? And in which does it matter least? I think it's pretty easy to answer, right? I mean, the most has got to be the NFL. It's got to be the NFL. Yeah, right? I mean, they're, they're, I think... they're, they're scheming and plotting and planning and and research that goes into preparate game preparation is like, you know, those guys sleep like two hours a night. Well, that's from, all they do, from, right? From I mean... June until <laughs> until February. Uh, yeah, it's all they do, and 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 they there is a there is a way that you can actually analyze their impact on the game. Well, that's right. That's what I think. I think that in the NFL, like if you want to turn your team around, like it might happen in the NBA and it might happen in MLB, but there are so many other circumstances that involved. But I kind of feel like if you get a great coach in the NFL, you're probably going to win. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I remember the interview with, with Sean McVay. That's his name, right? The Rams coach. Yeah. After the thirteen to three Patriots Rams Super Bowl, when he was like, he was just he looked like he had seen a ghost, <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I just got out coached, like I just, yeah, I just yeah. got out coached, and it was like that offense was clicking so well that whole year, and he was like this offensive genius, and then you're watching the game, and you can't, you know, from the from your vantage point watching the TV, you can't tell what's going on right. really, you just see. The Rams looking so confused, and they don't understand what's happening, and they can't score. They never scored a touchdown the whole game, and the game was kind of a slog. And then it's like, you know, Brady throws one long pass to Gronk, and they score one touchdown yeah. in the game, yeah. they win. And McVay is just like, yeah, I just say, uh, he outcoached me. I don't it's, know what to tell you. He like, and, it, and like that is, that is like a, a thing that doesn't 
happen. Like when you see it in in the NBA, when a team in the NBA loses a game that they're that they're supposed to win, you're like, oh, they just missed all their threes. Right. They there were seven <laughs> of thirty one from three or whatever. And and obviously some of that is coaching. Some of that is like how we defend the pick and roll, how we how we rotate, how we like st- how we provide weak side help, whatever. It's not like there's no coaching there, but very frequently, like when that Rockets team lost to the Warriors, it was like, well, they just missed a record number yes, of three pointers, right. and and a bunch of them were wide open, and so like, you know, what are you gonna do? But in football, I do feel like when it when a team gets upset it's almost always the case that they're like yeah they had a really good scheme and they really they planned well for us and they ran good plays. i just think there's so many more things that you can do in as a coach in the nfl than you can do it you know you you got all that time between plays you get to call every single play which you don't really in any other sport uh you can and you get to call them on both sides i i always think you you talk about belichick I always think about that that uh, uh, Super Bowl against the Rams, where that Rams team was utterly unstoppable, right? That was the yeah, whole... Yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah. 17-14 game. Right. Yeah. I mean, that team was utterly unstoppable, and uh, they'd already won a Super Bowl, and they were the greatest show on dirt and all that other stuff. Turf. The greatest right, show on turf. turf. right. That's right. And, <laughs> although the greatest show on dirt... When, also when kind of weird. Outdoors, dirt under the turf. Yeah, when they played outdoors. Um... <laughs> And and they and of course the whole thing about that team was how well they threw it right they were unstoppable Kurt Warner was was ridiculous and they had Torrey Holt and and uh, um, who's the other receiver they had the um, Isaac Bruce Isaac Bruce and they were unstoppable and Belichick said uh, I'm taking Marshall Falk out of the game right or you yeah. know, he just said I'm taking Marshall Falk out of the game like that's you could you could try five hundred different things as a coach. And that's the one he chose, and that's the one that worked. And I just think you don't have those options, certainly in baseball, but I think in basketball too. I mean, you can try. You can be like, "I'll, we're gonna take," uh, you know, you could you could go up against that Warriors team and say, "We're gonna take." Uh, well, you you really can't, but we're gonna take Kevin Durant <laughs> out of the game, right? But, right. We're gonna, but I'm saying you can say like one player. You could be a surprising. Thing right, but want. then you double team Durant and he just jumps up and throws it to, to Kyrie <laughs> or, or whatever, or scores himself. Right? I mean, like or yeah. does whatever he wants. Um, but I think that football is clearly. But between baseball and and basketball, what do you think? Well, first of all, I said that game was seventeen fourteen. I think it was actually twenty seventeen. Seventeen fourteen was the Giants beating the Patriots. You, I just we, wanted we're not, to make that correct. You don't talk about that. I, that's what you. No, I don't talk about you that. You blanked out. Uh, but again, but also uh, oddly, another good example of an NFL defensive scheme neutralizing a great offense. Like and that was again, the, that was the Justin Tucks, Jason Pierre, right? Ball, right? It was just rush, literally just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get pressure, pressure with him and, with our yep. four with our front four, yeah. So I, I think then that the, the basketball versus baseball question depends on whether you think that, it, that the job of a coach is more important schematically or sort of emotionally. Yeah. Because I think that the, the job of being a baseball manager seems to be much more about like just keeping your team together over a grueling six or seven month long schedule. And in basketball, I mean, there's an argument to be made that it's baseball for that reason. And because basketball is so free flowing and these guys are so good. And Steve Nash basically puts those five guys on the court and says, like, hey, go play basketball. <laughs> go play basketball, and then right. They do. There, the, the places where you really see coaching in basketball, in my opinion, are out of bounds plays yes. or set plays. And because every time there's an out of bounds play, 
there's like a wide open big guy rolls <laughs> to the hoop ridiculous. and takes an alley oop and dunks, and or, or like a crazy double screen that frees Steph Curry for a three or whatever. Um, but you know the game is also free flowing and 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 very much about the instincts and the court vision of the guys who are on the court, right? And in baseball, I think it's it's much more about like this is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. We have to like keep these guys focused. We have to make them care about a random interdivisional game in May as much as they care about a you know a a, a rivalry game in late September. Right. That's hard to do, and you and also guys go into deep slumps, and you have to like keep their confidence up, and pitchers lose their command, and you got to figure out how to put them in in good situations to maximize their ability to have a good outing, and it's all that sort of like eagle eye view kind of stuff so i i kind of think it's a toss-up maybe i'm crazy maybe there's a a much better uh answer to this that's that people would scoff at what i'm saying but i almost think it's sort of like it depends on what you define as good coaching yeah i can see that by the way as you were talking about basketball i started thinking if basketball was broken up the way football is where literally every time you get the ball you get 20 seconds to huddle up and, and, and design your play yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be a really heavily coached game. Like that would be a game yeah. that would be, that would be, you know, tremendously coached, um, which is a, by the way, a, I think a really good argument for shortening the time between plays and football to, to sort of take away a lot of that and make it more mm. free flowing, but nobody's going to do that. I think that on the field itself or the court, that a coach might have more impact in basketball. I, I just, there are things, obviously, you can pinch hit. When do you pull your pitcher, your lineup set up, all of these sorts of things. But they're so limiting. I mean, you know, once you choose your lineup, you've chosen your lineup. I mean, you can't really do. Pinch hitting is kind of a dead thing in baseball. They're, you just don't have a long enough bench to do much. There's no that. bunting. There's a very little bunting or hit and running or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, anymore. I mean, it's really like, kind of go out and play. Yeah. So I think that on the court, on the field, it might be basketball. But I do think that you cannot underestimate the importance of what a manager does to create a, a culture inside a, a team. I think. Well, look at the look at the 2021 Boston Red Sox versus the 2020 Boston <laughs> yeah. Red Sox. Like this is the biggest debate amongst me and my friends right now. Is like is Alex Cora actually like a genius? Like, I don't, it, he's winning with Garrett Richards and Nick Pavetta and, and Martin Perez. And these guys who were like our total cast offs, the entire rotation is cast offs from other teams that who are like, this guy's hopeless. We give up. And, and it's like every day they go and they look, they can really hit obviously yes. Bogart's endeavors and JD Martinez is as good a three, four, five as you'll find. But they're winning these games that they have no business winning. They swept the Yankees in New York. Like, I mean, the, it might be a smoke and mirrors. They might fade. There's already they they lost two out of three in Anaheim. They lost two out of three at home to the Phillies. The Yankees are starting to like maybe find their footing. They took two out of three in Houston and only lost a third game on a crazy ninth inning rally. Blah 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 blah. But the main difference between this year and last year with the Red Sox is Alex Cora. Yeah. And man, it sure seems like something. He's got some kind of magic touch. Well, I will say this. I think we said it at the time. Alex Cora's 2019 is one of the great managerial seasons in baseball history, right? I mean, we said it at the time, yeah. uh, 2018 rather. 18, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was absurd. Every single button he pulled, every pushed, every single uh, strategy he pulled, all worked. Every player yeah. that he talked to, and we talked about what he what he did to sort of like 
get Mookie back on track. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just crazy. And by the way, let, let's just throw this out because you know you uh, we brought it up a little bit on on text, and Brandon brought this up. What what do you make of Mookie? I, it is it's, it's the weirdest it's the thing. Weirdest in the weirdest thing in the world. He, there's no um, you know raw talent. There's who's better, who has more raw talent? Right. Probably no one. But he goes through these weird things in his life where there was a year where he couldn't hit lefties. Yep. There was a year where he couldn't hit fastballs <laughs> somehow. Uh, and, and, and so he does have these. And, you know, look, it was a, it was a mediocre first half. He's hitting like 250. He has 11 home runs. Right. Like it's definitely not the year that you would have expected from him. And he might it might. A switch might get flipped, and he might of just course. go. Of course, and he's still valuable. The That's the great thing. He yeah, does so many yeah, things. He's, he's still a valuable player. He's an incredible defensive outfielder. He's got an 800 OPS. He's. It's not like he's not contributing to that team, right. but he's not having the year that you would have expected him to have, especially given how well he played his first year in LA. It's not. It's not like he's adjusting to the league or anything. He just had a kind of a crummy for him first half, but he he does have this weird thing where he is. He has these stretches where like the things that you would expect him to do the most easily he kind of can't do sometimes yeah. it's very weird and and i i don't know why it is i still love him and i want him oh, very much to be my friend he's the greatest i want i want him, i want to hang out with him i want to take him to a frozen yogurt place <laughs> and get a big frozen yogurt with gummy bears on it and just talk about our lives of and course. hopes and dreams and feelings uh and that will never change but it is odd to watch him struggle especially against pitchers that he shouldn't be struggling. It's really against. weird, but he always was a little bit, you know, I mean, what, how many, well, he has the record already or tied for the record for most three Homer games or whatever it is that, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like he has days where he's just, okay, I'm now the greatest thing that's ever played, you know, ever been, ever played the game. Uh, and then, and then he'll go on stretches where he's like, he's still helping you. He's still making the yeah. great play. He's still stealing a base. He's still doing this, but he's not, present in the same way it's really strange he doesn't he doesn't like dominate in the way in the way that he can it has yeah yeah Yeah. all right paddington 2 doesn't need to defend itself uh would like to know (laughs) (laughs) uh please rank in difficulty and if you feel you could succeed at any oh three good ones all right so we're ranking these in difficulty and answering if we could do it okay a hundred pitches against Jacob Degrom, make contact, fouls included, on even one pitch. Okay, so you get a hundred pitches against Degrom, and all you're trying mm-hmm. to do is is make contact, foul the ball. I off, guess yeah. foul the ball off. I guess you got to swing. I don't know bunting. Not that that would help us, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two, ten penalty kicked attempts against the best keeper in the world, make just once. You actually have to score on okay. that one. Ten penalty okay. kicks. Three. Best of five sets against Prime Federer <laughs> win even one point. <laughs> so, so Paddington coming up strong. Those are all three excellent, excellent ones. Okay, our answers for this might be different because I think they will be different. you you play tennis regularly. Yes. That might that might. Um, Okay, the first thing you say is no, none of these would uh, be accomplishable <laughs> without not not a single one. No, there's no way I'm I'm fouling off a pitch against Degrom. There's no way I'm scoring a goal against a goalkeeper. There's no way I'm scoring a single point off Federer. I mean, okay, a, most easily achievable, I would say, is 
the is Federer. Yes. For the simple reason that he might double fault. He might. That's right. Right. He might, or he might miss. If I serve to him, it's theoretically possible <laughs> that he hits a ball out, and thus I score a point. Yes. Right. So, so that's number one. I think number two, I would say, is the goalkeeper because I would just. I would have no idea where the ball is going, and, and I, but it's it's theoretically possible that I might kick a ball that just gets into the upper corner in a way that it, he can't. That's right. He can't stop, and so so I, it's not going to happen. But it's th- that is a theoretical mathematical possibility. And then I would say the most difficult would be making contact against Degrom because first of all, Degrom throws a hundred. But also he has crazy movement. All he all he would have to do is throw a hundred sliders, and none of none neither of us would be able to touch the ball. Like we're not hitting a Degrom slider. So I'm gonna say the most achievable is Federer. I can't do any of them. Not even for a second do I think I could do any no. of them. But in terms of most likely, the first is Federer accidentally miss hitting a ball. Right. The second is me accidentally putting a ball into the upper corner of the goal. Right. And the third is me accidentally closing my eyes and fouling the ball <laughs> off the ground. I actually have it in the same order, but but not okay. not necessarily for the same reason. Uh, to me, the key against Federer is it's five sets, which is three sets, obviously. It's, it's, it's best of five. <laughs> yeah. So it's three sets, not two. He's going to get bored i mean there's no way <laughs> he's just you know and i can i can serve well enough that i'm going to get my serve in and one time he's just i mean he'll hit a ball that'll hit the line and i'll call it out something will right. happen that or he'll try to just for fun he'll try to hit the ball between his legs right or right he'll just do, or I mean, or or on grass, he'll slip and fall down. Right? That's that's really what you're hoping for. I guess you'd want it on grass for the for the hopes. Although Absolutely. he's obviously the greatest on grass, but but you want it on grass because for the hopes of a bad bounce, uh, you know, him slipping, some sort of thing. So I think, look again, no, none of these are going to happen. But I think that because it's five sets, if you said three sets where he only has to do it for two. That's a lot less points, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. that's that gives him a little more time to like. Maybe he's maybe he's like at some point like it would really be embarrassing for me if this guy won a point off me. So he would be serious. But for five sets or three sets, he would not. He, there's no way he'd maintain it. I mean, you've got let's see, you've got 24 points per set, right? That's right. Uh, and then so three. So if it's if you do get to play five sets, well, you play where he three. has to win. I know, but it's like, he's saying. Oh, it's best of five. He's he wasn't saying five. five. So three. Okay. So, so it'd be forty-eight so, versus uh, seventy-two, right? So yeah, right. So, but so he's not. It's just he's going to be bored after a while. I just, I just don't think that he has. So I think that's not only the best shot, but by far the best shot. Okay. Now, if that was winning a game, it'd be zero. That would be the worst shot. Right? Yeah. So I mean, so. winning two <laughs> points in a game. I think yeah. Exactly. Would be zero. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, number two for me is also ten penalty kicks. But here's the thing. Uh, I actually tried this against Tony Miola for a story once Great. where I took penalty kicks against him. Of course, I did not score. I mean, that goes without saying. But sure. here's the thing. If you're doing it like in a good look, if you're doing it uh, to win the Euros, yeah, if you probably feel like you're seven miles away from the goal. But if you're doing it in a goofy park where you're just, you know, you and Tony Miola are just hanging out. 
it's really close, man. It's really yeah. not that far. Like the the basic concept that we could kick a ball hard enough to get in the goal is not an issue. Like we right. can both kick a, a, a ball hard enough where if there was nobody there, we would score every time, basically. Like right. all you have to do is kick straight. So I got to say 10 penalty kicks. If it was 25 penalty kicks, I think we'd have a shot. Interesting. I think we'd have a shot. I, I don't think we'd do it, but I don't. I think that would be easily uh, number one if it was twenty-five. Okay. Ten penalty kicks again. I just don't think the odds are with us. You know. Yeah. Like here's the thing. If we okay, so let's say we took this to infinity, right? Where basically they said, okay, you could you face Degrom until you hit him. We mm-hmm. would never hit him. So like like that would like be zero. Assuming his arm doesn't get right. tired and fall off. No, right? assuming you're, he gets you're... to repeat. This is like live, die, and repeat, right? Like he gets right. to, right. to like he just re he re he's the same original Jacob Degrom every time he throws. Right. Um, if there was if this was infinite number of points against Federer, of course we'd win. At some point yeah. we'd win a point. I mean it's it's right. just for sure. And I think obviously if there was an infinite number of penalty kicks, we would eventually get one in. And yeah. I don't know what that number is, but I think that number is significantly less the number of pitches it would take to get. Yeah, to that's a good way to approach it. And I think you're right. It's it's the it's the just by the nature of the competition. Yeah, it is the it like the the keeper is going to if you go infinite, the keeper is going to either fall slip and fall down <laughs> right, again, right, or is gonna or is like gonna just get a bad read off of your approach and go left and you'll happen to hit it right yeah. and you'll score. Yeah, that 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 is probably that might be more likely actually now that I think about it than Federer. And I think you're right, if you take it to twenty five or fifty or a hundred. Yeah. Let let's do it this way. A hundred points against Federer, a hundred penalty kicks, a hundred pitches against DeGrom, no question then it's it becomes penalty yeah, I kicks. I think no question. I think yeah. the, on any one individual thing, our best shot would be to yeah. like if they said, okay, you have one chance and this is for your life and you have one chance. So you can one pitch against the Grom, you got to hit it. Okay. Zero chance. Uh, right. One point against Federer, zero chance. One penalty kick. It's possible. It's possible. You've got it. You've got a, a one in 10,000 chance. Yeah. Maybe, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. All right. Dan Riley wants to know. Great question. Would you rather get hugged by Shohei Otani or Pete Alonso? This is a great question. <laughs> I saw this one come in and I was like, man, what a great question. Um, so they're both enormous. They're both big. They're beasts. both, they're yeah. both big giant dudes. Yes. And, but Otani's um, more like he's slimmer, jacked. right? He's like, more like Jack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the temptation is to say Alonso, but I think that my temptation to say Alonso is based on the nickname. Because what I really want is to be hugged by an actual polar bear, you know, like, like I, and so I think I'm, I think what my immediate instinct was Alonzo, but I think that's a misread. And I think the real answer is Otani because Otani is so joyful yeah, and so, and so kind of like charismatic and, and Alonzo is too, but there's something about Otani that just is so like, like vibrant and, uh, and happy I think I would rather be hugged by Otani, but it's real close. I mean, if you said Otani or an actual polar bear, no question, you go with the polar bear, right? So, um, so it really comes down to how close Pete Alonso is to an actual polar bear. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's like and, that and, gap and, and, is what's costing him at this point. 
Yeah, it is. And I and I think I, I think I lean Otani on this. Where do you stand? I think I lean Otani um for exactly that reason. I think Alonzo seems delightful, by the way. Yeah. But I think it would mean like Otani would would do it with all heart, man. Like Otani would yeah, like he'd right. hug you, like me, man. I love you, and he'd hug you, and it would be, you know, it would be so, it would feel so good. And and Alonzo, like there might be a little irony in his hug, right? A little sarcasm in his hug because he's like, yeah, he's or like, like a little, guy. he's a li- he's a little broy, yeah, or exactly. You know, exactly. he's a little, and so he might be, he might like hug you and like make do the thing where you make a fist, and <laughs> right, like, and pound the guy in the back. Do that. Yeah, and I don't want that. I just want a, I want a warm embrace from these but guys. But the interesting you know I mean? thing is, the correct answer, I think, obviously, you know, we know, we've we've discussed the hug qualities of, of uh, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, but the correct mm-hmm. answer to this question is Freddie Freeman. That's who you want to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want Freddie Freeman to be the like, best man at your wedding. That's right. Like, exactly you, you, right. you want it to be more than a hug. You want it to be like, you want to call, if you, you want Freddie Freeman to be the guy you call in the middle of the night when you're having like marital trouble. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I like, like the best man at your wedding. You. I like the best yeah. man at your wedding. I think that's who in baseball you'd want to be the best man at your wedding. Yeah, Freddie Freeman. He, Freddie I, Freeman's up there. He's right yeah. up there. I don't. I mean, of course, Mookie. My gosh, Mookie. You want for all of these things? Right. Like he's a sort of number one choice for everything. Although we've discussed he, this, Mike Trout. You know, he he makes sure everything got done. There's no chance Mike Trout would forget the ring. No, no. <laughs> but but also Mookie wouldn't either. No, you know, Mookie. Like, he cares too much. Mookie. But he, okay, so here's my question now: What baseball? player past or present would you most want to hug because i think there is there is a right answer to this question past or present that you most want to hug from yeah boy i mean a few guys are coming to mind right away i mean you'd want a good willie stargell hug wouldn't you i mean willie stargell would be great there's a lot of guys on those on those pirate teams those pirate teams would be parker would be a good hug would definitely be a good hug um you know, I, By the way, I Salvi th- Perez. We mentioned Salvi Perez oh. last week talking to Jason Kander. Salvi Perez has got to be a good hug. Current, current huggers, he's top five. He's yeah. tur- current top five huggers in baseball, don't you think? Yes, but there is a right answer, past or present, Ooh, past that you or haven't present, come up with yet. Greatest hug, past or present. I'm just trying to think of... Who is, well, we've discussed this actually. It, it's got to be David Ortiz, right? There's David no, Ortiz. there's no, there's no way else. <laughs> there's no. I'm so else. glad you. I'm so glad you got there. Yeah, no, it's David Ortiz. It's yeah, David. He's the, I, I, I feel like, and I feel like maybe the reason to lean Otani is that Otani seems like a in the David Ortiz kind of hugging family a little bit. Yeah, I like, think that's enormous. Right and joyful is, and just like he, is he would just envelop you in his giant but, arms but and he's so you just he's so big though like so like jacked and 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 you know there yeah, might be like there's he has more angles than than a than a than a guy like he obviously. does but you would just feel so safe you would feel so you know safe. what i mean yes. you would feel like oh nothing bad can happen to me because <laughs> shohei otani is hugging me who would be the least huggy of, of this All-Star game, this past All-Star game? I'm trying to think of anybody stood out as being particularly non-huggy. Man, um, I, I don't know that Tatis is a great hug because he's Ooh. so wi- he's so wiry, you know? Like he's he is wiry. He's like, he's like wiry and strong. But he brings so much joy. By the way. A, a lot of joy. A lot of joy. A lot no of question. joy. And by the way, you've got to believe in the future, Vladdy Jr. is going to be a great hug. I mean, he's, oh he's so God. young now, you know. 
He's got a lot of time to work on it and practice it, but but I would love a Vladdy Jr. hug. That would be good. I'll, I'll tell you this: his dad maybe not a great hug. Ooh, because his good dad one. was also kind of wiry and strong. He and, was, and, although know, toward the end he, he started getting that huggable, got a little puffier. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got a little huggier. All right, this is excellent. Yeah, all right. Think of you if there's somebody that comes to mind as a bad hug. All right, Ash wants to know why is pizza so expensive. Is it? Well, that's a good question. Is pizza? I, 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 I question the question. Yeah, um, where I wonder where this uh, person lives. Well, because... maybe this person is getting like like the highest end pizza. Like if you if you want if you want cheap pizza, I mean it's available for you wherever you live, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's, there's got to be cheap pizza. So maybe he's referring to the sort of like uh, specialty pizza or something. What do you think? Well, there is certainly obviously the there's the kind of pizza place where like. Your basic, you know, uh, 20 inch or 15 to 20 inch pizza is like $38 or whatever. Right. And it's like, it's like, and, and it's usually very good. Um, and then there's the, on the flip side, there's the garbage pizza. Right. Where it's like, the, the, it's not properly made and it's lukewarm and it's like, you know, a dollar a slice or whatever. And it, and it just, it doesn't, but it's like. There, the middle ground is where you want to go. Yes. You want to you want to be in the place where a pizza's eighteen or twenty bucks. Well, I think the question stands uh, if you think about the ingredients for pizza are not expensive, right? Like, I mean, I think, yeah, like that's if that's the if that's the point, which maybe it is. It's like, hey, you just right. all you got to do is get the you get some crust, you get the tomato sauce, you get the cheese, you get. I mean, it's not that hard to make yeah. a, to make a pizza, so. Maybe but there's a wide range of of, of quality, quality wide pizza. range of yeah. quality. In fact, there shouldn't be. Such a did wide you see range. the thing? Did you see the thing where Bill De Blasio, mayor of New York, Bill De Blasio, uh, rent, was trying to explain ranked choice voting? Right. Uh, and and so the, and the way he did it was he was like, "Let's look at potential pizza toppings. I'm going to rank my potential pizza toppings, and then this will be a way to explain ranked choice voting." And his choices were bananas. Like I don't remember, I don't remember where they were, but like the f- number one was like green peppers, right, right, right. And, and number two was like, I, I can't even remember. It was like, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could remember what they. I would say, go look it up if you haven't seen it. It, it was, it was truly like a like a sociopath's response as to what the best, what best pizza toppings were. We have Although never... I should talk because I might, you know, my favorite, my really, the only pizza topping I like. We've never I, drafted I, pizza toppings. Have we never? I don't think we have. We've talked about doing it. Oh, man. So, well, the, it, my, 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 num, my number one pizza topping, and really the only pizza topping that I ever consume, because A, I'm a vegetarian, and B, I don't like most pizza toppings. Wow. The only pizza topping I ever get, onions. Well, onions are great. I mean, I was going to say, if you're cutting out uh, pepperoni and cutting yeah. out meat, you got to no go sausage, with the onions. I don't yeah. think there's anything else. I look, green peppers are gross on pizza. Gross. Just totally, gross. incredibly gross. And All peppers on pizza, get out of here. Get out of here with your peppers. Get out of here. I don't want you around. You're not helping. You're not improving this product at all. Like I, I, yeah. So I, I don't have meat and I don't have any peppers are gross. And so what I'm left with is I only eat cheese or onion pizza. Yeah. Onion pizza is great. Pepperoni onion pizza is like my, that's the perfect pizza for me. That's literally mm. the perfect one. All right, Rob, with our last question, is Seppenwall allowed back on or does <laughs> the band cross platforms? We, we, we were posed this question last week. We did not have an answer then. Do we have an answer now? I'm going to say 
that in the spirit of humanity, oh yeah, and of openness and of uh, of of letting bygones be bygones, sure, we should ban Seppin' Wall for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, here's the thing. The question we had last week was, is it worth it for us to battle this in court? Because we know he's taking us to court. Right. And we know he, he's going to tie us up. I mean, he will blind us with paperwork. We know what he's going to do. He has a team of lawyers. Team. Working around the clock, <laughs> pressing us in every jurisdiction, federal, state, and local. And it, and it is exhausting, frankly. That's, like the number, of, the number of subpoenas that have been issued to us is uh, off the charts. We, we have we've had to, we each had to turn over more than a million emails. It's unbelievable to unbelievable. his lawyers. Yeah, uh, to looking for an imagined conspiracy <laughs> that doesn't exist. But uh, but I don't care because it's the principle. Well, of that's matter. what I was going to say. At this point, we've just decided no, he's never coming back on. That's it. Yeah. He's, he's now, what I will say is that I am willing to entertain uh, brief and limited liftings of the ban for Sepinwall appearances at various times under the right circumstances. So for example, the holiday draft. Yes. Uh, he, 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 that sort of is grandfathered in because the mistake, the original sin was in a holiday. draft. That's right. That's correct. But he had, but because he had already participated before that, uh, he was grandfathered I, can, uh, in. I mean, it was just basically. He, I think he's like, yeah, like those yeah. hockey players that got to wear, you know, the the no didn't uh, have to wear the, the face the mask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I would say under the right circumstances, he is allowed to petition to be reinstated on a temporary basis, and then as soon as we're done doing whatever we're doing with him, the ban comes down again, yes. like a like a just like a hammer, <laughs> just comes back down, and and he's banned. Uh, well, one, is there new. an exception to be made? To bring him on and mock him when the Yankees are bad. Well, this is what I would say. If and when uh, the Yankees are eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> now, okay, side note, they're not going to be. They're going to win of uh, 28 out of their next 30 games. That's they're right. going to win the division, and then they're going to win the World Series. That's right. right? We, we all know that's going to happen. Yes. But in the event that in any this year or any future year, the day the Yankees are eliminated, I think we have to do an emergency Yankees podcast. Yes. <laughs> With Seppenwall, I would also say that would hold true for the day they are eliminated from the playoffs. That's right. Uh, in any given year. I would say that the biggest and best uh, version of this would be the Yankees haven't finished under 500 in something like 21 straight years or 22 straight years, right? Or maybe more. Yeah, it's uh, ni- forever. Like, it's yeah. like 90, 94. Yeah, 93 or, or 92. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, so in a year in which... The Yankees clinch a losing record for the season. Oh. We should do like a four-hour marathon, <laughs> where it, where it's just us dunking on him forever. That's right. No, I think that's um, right. But I, I, but I, but I, I think that the de facto the ban and de jure, the ban has to remain in place. It just does. It just does. And look, we'll keep battling in court. I mean, we'll just we'll just go as far as we have to go on this. I mean, that's just the fact. Yep. All right, time for our draft. Here we go. Uh, we are drafting athletes we wish we could be. And that is current. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't actually say that, but I'm saying it now. Yeah. Current athletes. So, yeah, we're not going back in time or anything. But current athletes across all sports right. uh, that we wish we could be. All right. And I... Uh, I have an inspiration for this that I uh, that I so I'll go first. I will take the first okay. pick, and my inspiration, interestingly enough, like the original idea came to me because of a certain baseball player that I know will get drafted uh, very soon. But the answer 
is if I could be any athlete in the world, I would be Lionel Messi. Messi. That Interesting. Is, I was watching Messi highlights the other day, as I will occasionally do, and I just thought to myself, and I'm not a huge soccer guy. I mean, I like it a lot, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not passionate about it, even as passionate as you are, or or certainly not as passionate as Brandon. Um, oh my God, if I could do any of those things. I, there's just <laughs> any of those things. I mean, I watched one, I think it was called, you know, Messy Magic on YouTube, and it was like 34 things that he has done that, that, you know, blow the mind. Right. And like some of them are very short. Some of them are full out runs and some of them are goals and some of them are passes. And every single one of them, I just thought that is not possible for a human to do. And I, I, you know, of course being the best footballer in the world brings all of its own, you know, triumphs and, and pressures and everything else, but to be on the field and to do any, just to one time, you know, get a one touch on, on one of those passes and dribble through 12 guys. And just to do that one time, I feel like I'd be happy forever. Uh, look, I get, I get what you're saying. I have gone on record as saying that no one is as good at anything as <laughs> Leo Messi is at playing soccer. Right. So I get it, but you have blown this draft so oh, no. thoroughly, <laughs> so completely with the Messi as your number one pick. He's 34 years old. That is true. He's I, at the he's at the tail end of his yeah, career. I, I am, like he, I am thinking he a little just more. Re, he just re signed with Barcelona for five more years, and there's very little chance that he'll be on the team in five years because he's so old. Yeah, and I don't know that I want to be Leo Messi playing in the uh, American, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, playing for the playing for the New England Revolution or something. Uh, that is yeah, true. No. There is. I did not think about that. I just thought of Messi and Prime Messi, and and right. which is what I was but, watching. But yeah, that's. But there, there. I can't. I literally can't believe you didn't take the actual first pick. Yeah, the actual first pick is Simone Biles. Well, that's funny. She was my second pick. Oh my How, gosh. I mean, you've got to. This is this is one of the. This is this is taking. This is passing on Michael Jordan. I, mean, this I literally is, this thought is, you were going to go baseball, and I was going to get Biles. You just picked pick. Darko Milicic, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't. Simone Biles is such an. Uh, this whole draft is essentially so that one of us can take Simone Biles. <laughs> she, she. Look, you want to talk about no one's as Messi's the greatest ever? Yeah, he probably is. Simone Biles is the greatest ever by like four yeah, standard she's deviations. One through five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and not only that, but she keeps getting better. Yeah, and she keeps peaking. She peaks, and people are like, "Well, that's the best <laughs> anyone's ever done this." And then two years later, she comes back and is like, "Well, she got way better somehow." This is she is the she is the athlete equivalent of uh, someone whose entire career is that Fernando Tatis Jr. jump up in the air <laughs> that's right. and then somehow jump up even higher thing. There was a, a video that went around recently of a, it was a high angle from the corner of the mat watching her do her floor routine. That's the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. She runs away from the camera yeah. and jumps and does a does one of her tumbling routines. She's 35 or 40 feet off the ground. That's right. I don't understand it. I nothing that she does makes cognitive sense. And 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 it's every event. It's every not event. like she, well, she's a floor specialist. No, it's also the beam <laughs> and it's also the vault. Like there's n every she has like two or three different gymnastics moves that are named after her because she invented them and she's the only one who's ever done them, and she does them perfectly. I don't like 
there's and and when you get down to what this question is really asking, it's what would it feel like to be yes. that level yes. of good? Can you imagine how oh fun gosh. it would be oh to be Simone Biles? <laughs> like she gets, she has zero fear. She has absolutely zero uh, self consciousness or 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 uh, or anxiety. Apparently, I don't know how that's possible when she's doing the most difficult <laughs> things that any athlete is ever required to do on the biggest stage in the world. And she just goes out there and basically flips the middle finger to the entire concept of being worried that you're going to be able to perform the thing that you're performing. I mean, she's she's a miracle. She is a human miracle. Oh, she's an absolute miracle. And and so I I literally can't believe that you picked thirty four year old <laughs> dragging his old ancient butt through Camp New for the for the twenty consecutive year Leo Messi when I get Simone Biles this well, is an enormous upset. Well, okay, so Biles was going to be my second pick. I really thought you were going a different direction, and so I, it was it was my 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 advanced team did poorly on this. I'm just going to say that first of all, <laughs> Messi uh, wasn't even on my board. Well, honestly. See, I have ten people. Messi's not on it. <laughs> well, but here's the thing: even Simone Biles. I mean, this is this this probably is her last Olympics. I mean, this is it. I mean, you want to talk Who about Who cares? <laughs> but that's my she, point. She has a hundred gold medals. And she's no, gonna no. win a hundred more. Well, but, but but if if I get the pass, I'll take Messi's pass. You're not gonna take Messi's pass? I no, mean, but she's as good right now as she's ever been. In fact, she might be better, and you can't say that about Messi. Simone no, Biles but, is as as good as she's ever been right now. No, that's right. No, look, I'm not arguing. I mean, honestly, it's it's Biles a great pick, but eh, don't underestimate how good Messi still is. I mean, he still does a lot of things. I mean, he there are still things he can do that nobody else can do. Sure. All right. There you go. Great. All right. I'm, I'm going to take my second pick now. Uh, I really thought I was getting Biles. That that is that is very disappointing uh, to me. <laughs> um, all right. My second pick is going to be. You know, I've got this whole long list of of players and people that I'd want to be. Um, but I think even though it, like I'm, I'm torn about this pick, but I'm going to make it anyway. Right. My second pick is Patrick Mahomes. That's who I want to be. And I'm torn about it because I don't really want to be a football player. Like I, I, that scares me. And even your Patrick Mahomes, there's at any moment you're going to get hit and you're going to get hurt. Right. It's not going to be fun the way I think it is for Simone Biles. Although Simone Biles has dealt with injuries as well as his messy. Um, but, I mean, what does that feel like? Basically, to just be able to go back and do whatever you want, uh, just invent ways to throw the football and and find different ways to... I mean, he's just extraordinary. I don't think anybody's ever... Not only I think he's played the position better than anybody ever. I mean, that's that's a whole different question. He's, like, changed what that position even is, like what it even can do and... And he and he did it right away, and he's in the prime of his life and career. So I'll do it, and he's a joy. So I'm gonna. I would love to be Patrick Mahomes. It's a good pick. It was my number. It was my. He's like number two or three on my board. Like okay, that, that's a that's a good pick. Um, Don't you have the same football issues though? Like that's what held me yeah, back. Yeah, that, that that's the only thing that makes you hesitate. Is like that sport can. You might only get to be Patrick Mahomes for like eight minutes. And then, <laughs> what <laughs> and a ripoff that would be. Like suddenly you get a toe injury, you're out for the year. Yeah. Um, but but again, you've blown it because 
the the correct number two pick is is Shohei Otani. Well, that's like I thought you were going like, Otani number one. I just right, for but sure. like, but Otani. So the fantasy that you have as a human on Earth who's a baseball fan, you have one fantasy, which is man, what would it feel like to hit a ball five hundred feet? Right. And then you have a second fantasy, which is man, what would it feel like to, <laughs> to throw, throw a ball hundred miles an hour? <laughs> this is a double fantasy. He gives you the it's the first time in history you've had you get you get to satisfy both <laughs> fantasies that you have as a as a baseball fan in one guy. Yeah. Like he gets to you get to experience the extreme end of the bell curve of both of the main talents involved in the game of baseball. So I don't see how you pass him up. I can't believe he wasn't your number two pick. That uh, you've you've picked it's, Messi and Mahomes, yeah, and I've picked Biles <laughs> and Otani. Like this is I this is good. threatening to be the uh, the one of the biggest routes <laughs> no, in no, podcast draft no, history. No, no, because I actually have a reason I did not pick Otani, and uh, and I will I will say it. But before I say that, how fast do you think Babe Ruth threw? How fast as a pitcher? How fast do you think his fastball was? Being being as serious as you possibly can on the subject. How hard do you think he threw at, at his I peak? I bet he threw 87. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, you yeah. know, look, I mean, it, it, the ball was different. It was heavier and it was uh, right. and all the whatever. But it's got it's got to be in the 80s. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I mean, I think and and uh so I'm so sick of people bringing up Ruth when it comes to Otani. I get it. I look and yeah, Ruth, right. you know, he there, was the pitcher, the, the hitter. Comp. He's the only comp. He's the only right? comp, the only but comp. it's not a comp. That's the thing. No. He's the only comp, but it's not a comp. Here's the thing. My baseball player, who I'm taking with the third pick, is Fernando Tatis Jr. And mm. here is why. This And I thought very hard about this. My greatest fantasy in baseball is, of course, hitting a ball 500 feet which Tatis can do and Otani can do. Of course, throwing 100 miles an hour, which Otani can do and and uh, and Tatis cannot, but making unbelievable defensive plays. And that is Fernando Tatis. I mean, just if you ask me, like, what would sort of, like, as a kid growing up, that was my thing was defense. Like, that was, I wasn't a great baseball player, but what I did reasonably well was play defense. And... The, I, the dream I always had was that I'd be playing second base or shortstop in the big leagues, making diving plays, making these unbelievable plays. If I had one shot on earth uh, to do one baseball thing, it would be the double jump that, that uh, Fernando Tatis did. So I actually thought really hard about it and thought, okay, I, of course I would want to be both of them, but I will choose Tatis over Otani. Yeah. Yeah, Tatis was uh, was going to be my next pick. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted a uh, boat. See, I get well, that. Well, well, the other thing about Tatis is like I don't know if you saw at the All Star game, and he showed up in that in like a salmon colored suit. <laughs> yes, and he looked fabulous. so cool. Fabulous. He looked so endlessly cool. Like that. That's the other thing about that guy is like everything about him is cool. He's the like one the guy who made he... those uniforms look good. I'm yes, telling you, he just... the way that he paints his face with the eye black is cool. Like his hair is cool. cool. Yep. His swag is cool. Yes. Like he just he he's like, uh, you know he, he we were we texted about this a while ago. He he just because of the uh, of COVID and because he came up at the end of the season a couple of years ago, 
he at, at some point early this year he had just finished his first what you would call full season. He hit right. the 162 game mark. And his numbers through his first 162 games, <laughs> it was like, you know, 47 homers and 63 steals and it like 39 yes. doubles and 158 <laughs> RBIs. And like, and it's like, you forget, like he's 22, 22 or something. Old. And he's the coolest dude, except yes. for Otani. He's the coolest dude in the sport by far. Yep. He's the most talented dude in the sport by far. Yep. He had, he signed a contract for $300 million. He <laughs> is just like, the world is his oyster, man. He is just like if he can stay healthy, and I know that shoulder thing was a big scare. Ugh, yeah, but man, if he can stay healthy, we're looking at another Mike Trout type guy. Where it's like, what is the? Who do you even compare this well, guy I know. to? Like, I know. Yeah, yeah. There, there's one other thing that needs to be said about Fernando Tatis, and I'm, you know, I'm, we have said it before on this podcast, but James Shields, man. James Shields. They traded him for mm -hmm. James Shields. What would that White Sox team even look like if they had Fernando Tatis? I mean, uh, it's, it boggles <laughs> the mind. It truly boggles the mind. They would be they would be the Dodgers, right? Maybe they would the be the team That's where you're right. like, wait, this is an all-star team. Everyone <laughs> at every position. And, like, you know, Moncada goes down. You're like, man, it doesn't matter. They've got, <laughs> got Tatis. Or, like, you know, Eloy Jimenez goes down. Oh, who cares? It's like... I mean, the Dodgers have lost uh, lost Bellinger for the first month. They now Trevor Bauer has his problems, and he's gone indefinitely. And you're like, you look at that team. You're like, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they'll be, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And and the White Sox aren't quite that, but with Tatis, oh. they would be. They would be. Uh, they would win three or four World Series in a row. I don't even you. know I what mean, they would do with like they. they would, I guess they would trade Tim Anderson. I mean, like, or they uh, or would move him to, to second. second. I mean, like it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, have like an all-world, uh, like you know, like top twenty-five player in the league playing moving positions because you're like, well, we have a better guy <laughs> who plays shortstop. Yeah, man, I it is a it's a real bummer for the White Sox to have to watch that guy. I mean, that yeah. that's gonna go down in history. It's gonna be Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. It is. It is. And look, trades. and at the like, time he was eighteen, he was he was not even you know he was a. He was a prospect, but he wasn't a big, huge prospect. He really blossomed in the Padres system. Maybe it's different if he goes with the White Sox. Who knows? But you will always have it on record. You traded Fernando Tatis for James Shields. Oh, yeah. Just wow. All right. All right. My third pick. Um, this is really hard because I have a thing that I'm trying to accomplish with this pick. And no player really does it perfectly so I'm gonna I'm gonna there's a there's a like there's gonna be I'm open to a line of attack for this pick. Okay. No matter no matter who I choose. But the the ultimately the guy I'm gonna choose is Kevin Durant. Okay. So for the basketball fantasy part of this exercise, again, what you I was gonna pick Giannis because yeah. I think it would feel kind of amazing to be Giannis, <laughs> right? Wow. But here's the pro here's the problem. The basketball fantasy is that you are a, a crazy video game character whose every skill is set to 100. Right. Which means you can dribble, you can dunk, you can hit crazy three-pointers, you can pass, you can do run the floor, whatever. And the guy who the seems like is the most advanced at all of those skills is Durant right now. Now, Durant also came off a really bad injury. Yep. He's he's not at the beginning of his career. He's in the middle, late middle, towards the end of his career, right. I would say. But Gian, if you if you choose Giannis, 
you feel what it's like to be a superhero. Like he's a yes. superhero. <laughs> but Giannis can't hit threes. Right. Giannis can't can barely hit twos. Yeah, his free and, throws and I, a mess. Right, free yeah. throws. So then I was like, well, maybe it's maybe you and you you could pick Chris Paul, but he's thirty six. You could pick Kyrie, but Kyrie's only six feet tall or and six two or Kyrie. whatever. You don't want to be Kyrie, <laughs> but the, uh, you would pick him for his handle. But like. Eh. So I think the guy that would most scratch the itch of the basketball fantasy is Durant because you're taller than everybody else. Right. You can handle the ball like a point guard. You can pull up from 35 feet and drain a three to win a game. You can also like run a fast break and soar above the rim and dunk really hard. <laughs> yes. You can kind of do all of the things that you want to do if you're fantasizing about being a basketball player. So I'm going Durant. Yeah, look, that's... I've I've really really gone round and round in basketball, and I'm going to make my pick, and it's going to be it's going to be much mocked, and I think that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the thing the thing about Durant is, and I know this is going to sound terrible, but like he does not seem to me to be having as much fun as as Giannis is when he's out there. I I don't know. There's yeah, Giannis just exudes joy, and Durant kind of exudes like. I'm mad at you. He's, well, you he's know? got like he's got <laughs> like like diagnosed anxiety. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so, but but I'm assuming that I'm not him. I'm you're, me. You're you, with but his with ability, his ability, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, um, look, Giannis is a superhero, and he was a guy very seriously considered. But again, same thing. You're dealing with. I don't want to deal with that free throw thing where they're counting. But by the way, would you give me your Please, please say for the podcast record, you're absolutely 100% correct take on the countdown with, with you, Giannis. Time does not start at one second. <laughs> when you're count, like this, this is the problem with the Phoenix fans and all fans who have done this. Yes. They start as soon as he takes the ball, they go one. That's not, <laughs> no, you don't start right. at one. You start at zero. So they're like, I know that the point is to mock him and to get in his head or whatever, but let's have some accuracy for That's God's right. sakes. That's you right. Start at, you have to start at zero or go, right? Yeah. You either say go, one, <laughs> yes. two, or, but you don't go, you don't go, he gets about one. Two, like that's not right. That's not you're not giving an accurate count, and 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 it and it annoys me because I've t actually timed him with a stopwatch, and he averages at like twelve to twelve and a half seconds. Yeah, so it's but there, but so it's legit. But it's it makes it seem they're seeding the moral high ground here by starting at one. You have to start at zero. This is I, I tweeted this. If I were the commissioner of basketball, my first action would be to inform all fans in visiting arenas that are hosting Giannis Antetokounmpo that you have to start your mocking count at zero and not one. <laughs> and you're 100 percent right. It is the correct take. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Durant just doesn't. All right, so here's my pick. I'm taking my my fourth pick is is a basketball pick, uh, and and it is it is easily mocked because he is at the end. Um, but you know what? If I could be Steph Curry, I would be Steph Curry even for one year. No, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. <laughs> I it's mean, pick. I'm not going to mock you for this. No, see, I mean, just well, everything, just everything. First of all, you can tell how happy he is. You can just, mm -hmm. I mean, everything. I mean, first of all, I'd want to be Steph Curry. I don't even, if Steph Curry had no basketball talent at all, I'd want to be Steph Curry. I mean, right. everything about him is so joyful and wonderful and everything else. And, um, you know, plus he just, 
he's like a producer for that weird putt putt show. Like, what the heck is that thing? Like, <laughs> well, I, he's like, he's an adorable human. He's being. just an adorable just, human being. Everything about him is adorable and wonderful and joyful and yes. fun. And and also, he's the greatest shooter of all time. Of all so time. Like, and he still is. To this day, he's That's the right. greatest shooter of That's all what time. I mean. I'm still going to get a year or two or more, maybe, of seasons where I'm unmatched. And that feeling of being 40 feet away from the basket and going, I'm open, is nobody ever had it before him. I mean, nobody ever had that before him. Where 35 or 40 feet away from the basket, he's like, Nobody's covering me, and I have a better than 50-50 shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the first guy to ever cross half court and go, oh, I'm open. Oh, I'm open. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, and, yeah. and, not only, and not only that, but to the point where defenses went, yeah, we can't leave him open out there. Yeah, I mean. we got to pick him up. We got to pick him up 70 feet from the hoop. <laughs> the just, the, the uh, most amazing thing about Steph Curry to me still is the most, that, that the most exciting play in a regular season basketball game in every game he plays is when the other team scores with with under two seconds left. <laughs> yes. And you know you're going to watch a Steph Curry 65-footer, and there's a really good chance oh, yeah. it'll, it'll go in. It, it is so exciting when you were like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And they they, they, they always guard him, but he, just, he makes a move, and he gets the ball, and he lets it go from somewhere between 70 and 50 feet from the hoop. And when it's in the air, you're like, that's going in. That's, that's going, going in. in. And, and then, it, and, it, and yeah. sometimes it does. And other times it just misses, right? Like, yes. it, like, it, like, it, it like hits clanks. like it's, it's as close to a made three as most guys wide open corner threes are. Like yes. that's the, that's the average <laughs> Steph Curry 70 footer is, is like it misses it to the same degree that a, that like Jay Crowder's <laughs> cor- open corner threes miss. So wonderful. All right, so no, that's good. That's a good. That's a great pick. Um, I'm gonna. I'm. I have a. I had a fourth pick, but I know you're not gonna pick this person, so I'm gonna delay oh. draft strategy till the fifth. I'm gonna go Djokovic. Dang it! You gotta pick. be yeah. kidding me. Because I knew you were gonna take him. Oh. So, so you don't really need to understand why he's got 20 Grand Slams. He's right. gonna. He's gonna break the record. Yes. He wins everything. He wins everything all the time. But. There, there's an extra thing going on with him, which is he grew up and played and overlapped with the other two greatest guys of all time yes. and is going to end up being the greatest of all time. And that's a very rare thing. Usually when we're talking about who's the greatest baseball player of all time, you're comparing Willie Mays to Mike Trout or you're comparing Hank Aaron to Barry Bonds or whatever. Right. Right. And it's a sort of, it's a thought exercise. You're like, well, is, is, you know, look, is, you know, is Steph Curry a better shooter than uh, than whoever than Larry Bird? Uh, you're sort of like imagining. You have to you have to do some right. mental gymnastics. In Djokovic's case, you don't. You've watched <laughs> him play those guys, and he van- has vanquished them. Like yes. he has defeated them. He wins every tournament he plays with relative ease. He's still going strong, and and then of course you add just the feeling of being able to uh, to hit the ball with such power and precision beyond even what Federer seemed like the the standard bearer for all yes. time. And now Djokovic has surpassed Federer in that regard. And and McEnroe said this, I think, during the during the the recent finals, the Wimbledon finals, he has no weaknesses. Right. He is right. the best the best ground stroker from the baseline. He's the best net player. He's the best server. He's the best volleyer. He's the best backhand. He has the best forehand. He has the best slice. He has the best topspin. He has the best 
of every version of everything that he does. Yeah. And that means that being him would be amazing. Yeah. Well, of course I'm furious because I mean, as a tennis <laughs> player and, and a tennis player was long, had a great appreciation for Djokovic. He was going to be my next pick. Uh, I did not think you were going to take him. So you're rude and mean and, and mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, I played a win, Joe. I played a draft <laughs> to win. <laughs> Here's the thing about, about Djokovic. Again, all of these people, and and we're coming up with my fifth pick, so I'm gonna end up putting you know a couple of these guys out there. Um, like, there's one thing that they do that you were like, oh my gosh, what must it be like to do that? And as great as Simone Biles is at everything else, it is definitely the floor exercise, right? Right. What must it be like to tumble like that and then take off and be 60 feet off the ground and do 60 flips in the air? And what <laughs> must that feeling be like? Right. And that was to me what the messy thing is. And and it didn't have to be messy. It could have been Neymar or Ronaldo or somebody else. But to me, what is that feeling like where you see six guys in front of you and you know you can finally find a way to, to maneuver through there? What is that feeling like to be Patrick Mahomes being, you know, surrounded and then like seeing that, hey, I can actually underhand a ball 30 yards down the field and whatever. So with with Djokovic, he does that like 10 times a match where mm-hmm. he'll either one return a serve that you're like, okay, I don't even know how he got that serve back, much less how he had a winner on that mm-hmm. return, or two, runs down a ball, whether it's a drop shot or something in a corner, where he comes up with some weird angle that you just go, wait, that's not, it's not humanly possible. It's not. Right. And so, yeah, that's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's a, it's a rude pick, but it's a very good pick. All right, so my fifth pick now, right? So my fifth pick, I've got a couple of different options. A couple of them are quirkier, but I think the one I'm going to go with is is going to be... So I'll tell you who I was not going to go with. Or maybe I should just pick who my fifth is. Since you took Djokovic, um, I I have to... Um, still have to take a tennis player, because that's what I do. That is literally... <laughs> That is that is literally my entire existence is I play tennis. I mean, that's the only thing that I've done. Uh, and I'll tell you who I think is the most exciting tennis player to be right now in the world as long as things work out, and that is Naomi Osaka. Yeah. When Osaka is at her best, unmatched. I mean, like... You know, of course, we just saw Serena. I'm not saying that she's that she's better than Serena was in her prime because, I mean, Serena was the greatest. But she's with Serena. Like, like that's the level. Her ceiling is Serena. Yeah, the yeah. level. She yeah. gets to a point where it's not even fair on the other side. She hits it so much harder. She, she's so much more consistent. Both sides, particularly that forehand. And again, and we know that she's going through a lot and she's enduring a lot but just infused with this, this beam, like she's a beam on the tennis court, you know? And, and you know what she's really feeling inside that she feels this intense, intense pressure and this anxiety. And yet this, this just beautiful person comes out just the way that she carries herself when she's playing well is it's, it's the dream. It's it's what all yeah. of us want to feel. No, this is the right pick. She was on my board too. Yeah. And to me, this is this is one of the cases where like the person that she is makes her more yes. makes it more appealing to be her. Because yeah. the way the the like 
the incredible way that she has handled herself through this oh. uh, situation with her mental health is so inspiring and yes. it's so self-possessed. Like she was just like, I don't want to do this because this is this causes me pain. And they were like, "Well, you have to, young lady." And she was like, "No, I don't. I'll no, walk I... away." Like I like the the just the 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 reprioritization of what matters on earth in the and the way that she did it and the way that she communicated her thoughts and feelings and emotions to her fans is so impressive. It's just so yes. like wildly yes. impressive to me that that it makes you be like, "Oh, being her would be even more amazing because you would you would know what it is to like have a, a sort of measure of self-possession that like no one has yes. like nobody nobody in her position has that much self-possession uh, and it, and it, it's weirdly inspiring more it's more inspiring than her play on the court to me yeah like, it's just and her play on the court is yeah. plenty inspiring i mean you know yeah. i mean it's like she's such a joy to watch and so uh I feel okay with that. I still would have taken Djokovic, but uh, no. But that I, Osaka might be a better pick. I mean, she it was it came down to Joker or Osaka for yeah. me, and I I think I I that's a good pick. My fifth pick is a, is the timing on this is strange, but it's Kylian Mbappe. Now he just uh, he just was the the save his penalty was saved against uh, whatever it was with Switzerland or something right knocking knocking the French out of the Euros and uh, and he took a lot of heat for it because he's supposed to when you're Mbappe you're not supposed to ever miss a penalty especially exactly. one like that in a big tournament. However, however, by most measurements he's the best striker in the world. Yeah, uh, he he's 23. He makes a billion dollars uh, from <laughs> from Nike and from his play. He right now is like, is he going to stay at Paris Saint-Germain or is he going to Real Madrid or is he going to Liverpool? He basically can now, he's, he's 23 years old. He's the best in the world at what he does, which is the thing that the most people in the world care about. Yes. And he literally is like, do I want to live in Madrid? Do I want to live in London? Do I want to live in Paris? Do I, like, do I, where do I want to live? Like, he can literally choose. He can write his own ticket. And not only he, that, not only does he get to choose the town, he's like, which town do I want to adore me? To, like, just which, welcome me in as, the yes. like, the hero of that place. Which, which, which of the greatest cities in the West do I want to be the king of for the next five to 15 years? And, by the way, that French team was the odds on favor to win the Euros. They got, it was very surprising they got knocked out. And that team is going to be great internationally. Yes. He is going to have World Cup moments and Euro Cup moments and obviously Champions League moments wherever he plays. He's going to be a major player in the next 12 to 16 mass yeah. major national and international championships in the world's biggest sport and when and every time he plays it will be like i can't wait to see what mbappe does so <laughs> I, it's hard to imagine a brighter future like we're talking yes. about some of these guys like durant and even Djokovic, who were like toward the end toward of the their end, careers yeah. here Messi, this yeah. is the guy this is the opposite of messi this is the guy where you're like look if everything goes right i've got if i get to be mbappe i get 15 years yeah, starting now true of just riding as high as an athlete can ride. And by the way, then you talk about his skill on the, on the field, which is just on essentially unmatched right now. Like he's the world, 
the, you know, Europe obviously knows everything about him. Right. The world doesn't quite know about him the same way they know about Messi, but like they're going to. Like yes. the yes. France France is going to win either the 2022 Euros or the 2024 Euros, sorry, or and or the World Cup right. next year or 4 years later. Like he's he is going to be the guy on a team that does that stuff. Uh, and it's going to be it's going to feel amazing. So no. Yeah, no there's, there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that pick at all. Uh, I do want to just give one uh, a sort of uh, honorable mention pick, uh, and that was, and I really thought about this, he's too old. It, I mean, at this point, it, it's, he's at the end, so I didn't pick him. Um, but uh, a guy named Efren Reyes, who is the greatest pool player in the world. <laughs> and here's the thing about him, and this is the reason uh, that, that I was going to pick him. They call him the magician uh, it, because he's, of course, of the – the incredible shots. And I watched a little video of him uh, and they showed like five moments of his. And he had one moment that to me completely and utterly captured what I think this whole draft was about for me. There were, they were playing a tournament in uh, Spain. He is from the Philippines and they were playing a tournament in Spain and it was just a rotation and they had like different guys and he came to watch and he literally had a bag on his shoulder and he had a sandwich and a coffee and they came to watch, and then there was an impossible moment where uh, the the ball was like stuck between four other balls, and the the cue was cue ball was between four other balls, and the ball you had to hit, you had to like there's no way to even hit it, and the guy sees him and says, oh, you know the the, the magician is here, you take this shot, and he's like, no, 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 and they're like, no, no, you take it, and they walk over and they give him the cue, and he kind of like shrugs and he takes the. Uh, he hands the guy's coffee. He's still holding the sandwich bag. He's still got the <laughs> still got the bag over his shoulder. He goes over, hits the cue ball off of two cushions, hits the ball, knocks it in, and everybody just like goes and the uh, the maestro and fantastic. If you could have that moment, that's all yeah. I want. Yeah. I don't even want to be good at pool, but I want to be good at pool for that. I want to be yeah. able to walk into a bar one day and just have that moment. Or like, Oh yeah, there, let me do that. And then, and then make that shot. Uh, and then it would I, be it. I mean, the problem is then I'd still have to be really good at pool and that wouldn't, I wouldn't be as appealing to me, but that one moment would be unbelievably appealing. When I was like 11 years old, we used to play basketball at this school after uh, it was like an elementary school we used to uh, this that I didn't go to we used to go play bas pick up basketball t at these courts and I had to be home one day uh, I was like you have to be home by five and so at like 448 this group of older kids came up to us and they were like hey do you guys want to play and we were like uh, okay they were like much bigger than us we were like all right fine and then I was like I gotta go in like five minutes and they were like that's okay just play until you can leave and uh, so we we got the ball uh, we inbounded, we had the ball first. We had the ball. Uh, it got passed to me. I like up faked this kid, drove around him, drove right to, right to the hoop and laid it up and scored <laughs> and then came back on defense. I intercepted a pass, stole the ball. We drove down the court the other way, a couple passes. I was open for a three. They dished it to me and I swished the three. <laughs> and then I was like, sorry guys, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I went home. <laughs> I really did have to go, but I went home and I think about it once a month because oh, yeah. I'm like, to those kids, they're like, whatever happened to that kid? I assume he turned pro. <laughs> like that's what they're all thinking is like, did, did, did we miss it? Did he turn pro? Did he go to Europe and turn pro? Like it was the 
the greatest two minutes of basketball or maybe any sport I've ever played yeah. right in a row. And then I was like, sorry, guys, I'm out of here and just oh, walked off the court. It was it. the best feeling. <laughs> it was the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, we went a little long on this one. But uh, in, in fact, uh, I, I I think we actually have to debate. Do we end draft podcasts with one last meaningless thing or don't we? I kind of think we have to, right? All right. I mean, all right. I, I don't know. Oh, let's do that, it. All right. We'll I do mean, one last meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast won't. It's one last one. Uh, in my office where I currently sit, um, in front of me, there's a wall with a bunch of uh, things framed, you know? Uh, yeah. And... Um, Let's see. I'm going to count right now. Three, five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen. There's thirteen framed pictures for things of posters of shows I've worked on and whatever. Sure. Eleven of them are black frames. One is silver and one is brown. <laughs> and it, it is a um, it's a, a nearly constant debate I have in my head as I stare at this wall of do I get those two non-black framed things reframed? in order to have a uniform aesthetic sense of the framed objects. Sure. Or is it cool in some way that there's two of them are sort of a different, <laughs> a different color. color? Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that that's not the case. They're not, it's not cool. It just looks terrible. Like, especially the brown one, it's a brown wood frame and it's, and it's a, a ugly, just as an ugly frame. But the chances that I actually take these two things down from my wall take them to a framer, pay to have them expensively reframed and right. then bring them back and hang them up. It's it's a it's like a 10,000 to 1 long shot that I'm ever going to actually reframe them. And so I've just I've had to I every time I look at it right now, I'm like god, it would be so much nicer if that one silver frame and that one wood frame were black because then they would all be black frames and I just also know I'm never going to do it. And I'm just I'm just paralyzed. I just don't know I just don't know what to do. And you know for a fact you're never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. I'm no, never going to no do chance. it. There's no chance. There's no chance. If, if, so I have, will... if I ever have two hours where I don't have anything to do, the last thing I'm going to do <laughs> is get things reframed. They're already – framing is so expensive. They're already in frames. They're on the wall. Yeah. And, and, and I know that it would look better, and I'm never going to do it. No. No, you never will. Basically, that will live as a reminder of human weakness. Basically, yeah. it's just, gonna, just frailty, human frailty, human frailty, and 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 just in it, and and like and laziness, and yes. uh, yeah, and what is not possible instead of it being a <laughs> instead of it being a monument to what is possible, it it is a monument, monument to what is to not what possible. is not possible. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good. All right, my one last meaningless thing is uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, has uh, insisted and made me watch Gilmore Girls with her. I have never seen Gilmore Girls. My family, entire family, had seen the entire show, including the new recent ones. And I never watched them. That was no, not for any reason. I just was doing other stuff, and I never watched Gilmore Girls. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were going through 
something and she's like hey just watch Gilmore Girls with me so I watched Gilmore Girls like the first season just watched a couple of shows and then she's like all right now you have to watch Gilmore Girls with me and she's getting ready to go to college so it's sort of like eh, you know this is what she wants me to do so I'm watching Gilmore Girls which I like fine it's a good show I mean it's it's certainly a good show and I'm enjoying it but it is the first show I have watched that has made me feel like I could not possibly be more behind the time. Like everybody not only watched Gilmore Girls, they watched it 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody to talk like, hey, I was watching Gilmore Girls the other day. What'd you think of that Luke? Like I, I it, it, it doesn't <laughs> even make sense to anybody anymore. So I'm sort of like in this, in this weird, but I, but I have to do it. So I, we watch, you know, probably, you know, two or three Gilmore Girls three or four times a week. And I'm in the middle of Gilmore Girls living in 2007 or whenever these things came out and nobody else is and I'm completely alone. Um, you should listen to a podcast called Gilmore Guys, I think. Ooh. That, with, that was uh, Demi Adejuibe, who was a writer on The Good Place, did this podcast where he, I believe he loved Gilmore Girls and he did it with his friend who had never seen Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. And they, did, they basically did a, a rewatch for Demi uh, uh, episode by episode and then discussed it. And so it was a guy, uh, I mean, this is a couple of years ago now, this is probably three or four years ago, but it got so huge that they then like got the stars of the show to come on. They got all these <laughs> surprise guests and stuff. Um, but they basically did what, what you're doing now yeah. and they did it through a podcast. So you that's, should, I would go find that podcast. It was a very popular podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you a Gilmore girls fan? I've seen the first probably three seasons with my daughter Yes. Um, who did the same thing? Who's uh, uh who turned eleven last week? Um, and but then we we stopped watching it be- for some reason that I can't remember now, and we haven't yet gone back and finished it. So that's okay. that's like in the cards. But yeah, did it's you a great enjoy? Show. It? Yeah, oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, yeah, it's, it's delightful. Very, it's it's a delightful show. It really yeah. is. But again, so what? I mean, you know, it's sort of like... <laughs> <laughs> no one you can talk to about. No it. No one yeah, I can yeah. talk to about it. So excellent. <laughs> All right, Mike, we did it. We did our first draft podcast since the last time we did it, whenever that was. So. (laughs) So as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.